I'll do my podcast show, Story Time, 1632, Chapter 4. A carriage suddenly lurched through Rebecca against her father. Beversa, as a beversa, hissed with pain. Gently, daughter, he abolished. He pressed his hand more firmly against his chest. Brother's grave-bearded face was drawn and haggard. His breath came short and quick. Rebecca stared at him. Her own heart was racing with a fear so great it bordered on panic. Something was wrong with her father, his heart. The sound of a shouting voice came from outside the carriage. Rebecca recognised the voice. It belonged to the leader of a small group of a land sneaker whom her father had hired in Etsam to escort them to Bendenburg. But the man's German was thickly accented and she didn't understand the words themselves. Clearly then the man was starting by something. Another shot this time she understood. Identify yourselves. Bezwell moaned softly, then with an obvious effort. See what is happening, Rebecca. Rebecca hesitated. Father's condition was frightening. But from little habit ha- but from long habit she obeyed within a moment. She fumbled with a sash which held the curtain closed. Hasty action brought its own expiration. Carriage was open sided. Rebecca would have preferred to keep the curtain open at all times to enjoy the breeze, but her father had insisted on making the entire trip closed off from its steery view. This journey will be dangerous enough, child, he told her, without men getting a look at you. The statement had been occupied with an odd smile, father's surprise partly, but there had been something else. When she realised that the something else was Rebecca, had been much startled as she was shocked. Shock came from understanding the crime her father f- feared. Do men actually do such things? The startlement from realising that her, uh, even her father thought she was beautiful. Others had told her so, but the notion still seemed odd. She herself never saw anything in the mirror but a young Germanic woman, olive skin, long black hair, a nose, dark bright eyes, a mouth, a chin. Yes, the features were very regular and symmetric, more so than most, perhaps. She sometimes thought in the rare moments of vanity. Her lips were attractive, full rich, but still beautiful. What does that mean? Finally, it took but seconds, though. It seemed an eternity. She had the slash undone. She brushed the curtain aside and thrust her head through the window. For a moment, she did not understand, but her eyes were seeing. Her mind was fixed on her father's plight, his heart. Then she saw. She gasped and drew back. A new terror came, crashing into the old. Some of the fear was caused by the sight of bodies scattered everywhere. What seemed to her, in the first glimpse, Rebecca had never witnessed silent scenes of violence before, nothing beyond scaffolding ruffians at least. The authorities in Amsterdam tolerated little even that. She yeah, had never, certainly never, blood everywhere, and what? That's a head lying over there. And that woman, what? She'd been, oh God. But so much only, but so much only caused fear, the terror, the hot spikes sent down his spine, was caused by the sight of the man standing right before her, advancing towards her, not thirty feet away. 
Erechus watched the man come paralyzed like a mouse, watching the serpent. But who did go here? God will save us. What is it, child? demanded her father, hissing. What is happening? She sensed him lurching towards his seat behind her. She torn between her fear of the head alone to go and the fear of her father. Then this was my end. Came yet another terror. She heard the leader of her father's idling to shout again. Let's go, she heard she heard him cry. Come on, we're not getting paid enough for this. Rebecca's heart pounding hooves set to motion. An instant later, she felt left to felt the courage rock and realised the driver leapt off also. She could hear him thrusting through the bushes amongst the road, racing off. They're deserting us. She turned back into the carriage, staring wide-eyed at her father. Her lips began to open, but a gentle, wise man, upon whom she relied on all her life, would be no help to her now. Bezover Adver was still alive, but his eyes were shut, his lo- eye jaws shut tight vaguely, both hands now pressed in his chest, he was slipping off the cushions onto the floor of the carriage. A faint moan came. Charles' terror overrode the, the others. Rebecca was on her knees in an instant, clutching her father, desperately trying to bring comfort and aid, not knowing how she could do either. She stared at the heavy chest resting on the seat, bench beneath her. There contained her father's books. His translation of Galilean's medical writings was one of those chests, but it was hopeless. There were thirty-seven volumes to the Galilean, all written in Arabic, which Rebecca could only read poorly. She heard a voice startled, and she turned her head. Hidalgo was standing at the window of the carriage, pushing his head through the window. The man was so tall, he had to stoop a bit to do so. Again, the voice, the words registered barely. She thought she understood them all, them almost, but it's not possible. He, he was, he couldn't be speaking. Henry spoke all the same words. This time, they registered fully. Most of them, anyway. His accent was very strange, unlike she had heard in that, ever heard in that language. English? She speaks English? No Hindu speaks English. It's beneath their contempt. A tongue from the pirates and the traders. She said, and now as confused as she is frightened. Man was every inch of her data, tall, strong, erect, handsome. He exuded the certainty and self-confidence of her, which only Spanish noblemen possessed. Even his clothing, a ruffled white shirt, silk, she was sure of it, over dark trousers and not dismembered true. She thought there was something odd about his boots, but he smiled while and provided, how, how else, who, how, who else has such perfect teeth? Then he spoke again, the same words repeated for the full time. Please, madam, do you need help? Rebecca Amdo could always wonder, would always wonder in the years to come why she spoke the truth then. Spoke it and babbled it. She would spend hours remember that moment, sitting quietly, myself wondering. Some of it, she would decide, was ancient heartbreak for all the savagery, the holy conscription and bitterness, which the head and egos of false and expulsion. Spain and Portugal's centurion would never be able to forget Iberia, a sun-drenched land, they come to love, spending centuries 
opened to build, convinced the Jews they finally found a place to welcome and refuge. Until Christian reality and nobility decreed otherwise, they were driven out the wonder again. Yet they retained the language and recited the poem, traced a culture of their own. The city would huddle into their ghettos in the central and eastern Europe, shutting the outside world from their souls. But known it, but not, but not the centurion. Almost a century and a half had gone by since its expulsion from the land. They called Shiverad. But it's still the highest praise among them, a man called Hidirgo. She could conclude as the years went by that some of her response, being a child discovering, hoping to discover the legends, were not always, not the lies after all. They, they did exist somewhere in the world, and nobility was not simply cruelty and treason, failed beneath courtesy and custom. There, there was more, that too, she would conclude. There was, had it been a reaction to a woman, been, also, had also been a reaction of a woman. For there had been, had, for there had been the man himself, handsome, yes, but not quite in the Hodega way. Even the moment terror and confused, he had retrained enough for which to sense the difference. The man had possessed none of Hodega's rapid beauty. Simply a good-looking man, or as peak present, come to think of it, with a blunt nose and open smile. His eyes were such a pure blue to give to despair into scurrows. There was nothing in them but friendship and concern. So Rebecca Acabola would conclude after years that she would still find herself wandering about the moment, half, half, hour after hour at times. It's self-indulgent, perhaps, but no woman... Another moment in life when she looked back would bring quite such a glow at her heart. Yes, please, my father. She lowered her head for a moment, shutting her eyes, tears beginning leaking. Her lids softly. He is very ill, his heart, I think. She opened her eyes and raised her hand. A man's face was blurred by the tears. We are not alone, she whispered. No one. I shuddered breath. We are Monero's. He sensed his husband in the term, of course. He's English, secret Jews, he explained. To her surprise, she managed to chuckle. But not even that now, I suppose. My father, she pressed her hand, fingers down, as if to safeguard his grey head in his hands. He's a philosopher, a physician by trade, but he studies many things. Maromanios, of course, also arguments of the Karodis, of Phenomate, and the others, and the Muslim. You realize she's babbling. What did a man care? His li- her lips tightened. So you were spelled by him. So he was expelled by Amsterdam Jews for heresy. We're on our way to Benberg. Here my man called lives. He says he would provide us shelter. She traded to a halt. Remember the silver hidden chest of books. Fear came again. The man spoke. Not her, however, he turns his head and shouts, James, get over here. I think we've got a very sick man here. Turn back, his smile as well as thinner. Not now, not the gleaming thing it was been earlier, but even though the tears of Rebecca could sense the assurance in it. What else do you need, ma'am? he asked, his face tightened. There are some people coming this way, men carrying weapons. How are they? How are they? Who are they? Rebecca Grass, she had totally forgotten about the band of she had counted earlier. To these men, she explained, we, 
didn't think they had come so far from Edinburgh. We encountered them two miles up the road. We were hoping to escape them down this path, but who is Tilly? The man demanded. The smile was gone completely. His face was tight, tense, but the anger did not seem directed at her. Rebecca wiped her tears away. Who is Tilly? How can anyone not know after Middenburg? Man seemed to sense her confusion. Never mind, he sat. There came a shout from distant. Rebecca couldn't make out the words, but she knew they were in English. A warning of some kind, she thought. The man's next words were quick and urgent. I only need to know one thing. Do these men do do you harm? Rebecca stared at him. Was he joking? I want to see his face. He sold her. Yes, she replied. They 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 rub us. Kill my husband for me. He fell silent. His, her eyes flitted. Between the place where the woman had been lying on the ground. The woman was not there now. She was on her feet, walking slowly towards the farmhouse. Two of her men were helping her along. She heard her David's voice snarling. That's good enough. More than a good enough. She, she startled by the sheer fury of his time. Instant later, the door was being opened. A black man, naked from the waist up, was carrying, climbing into the carriage. In one hand, he held a small red box, blazing with white cross. Despite her astonishment, Rebecca made no princess. The black man gently moved her away from her father. Began examining him. As she was quick and expert, the man opened the box and began withdrawing the veil. Rebecca, physician's daughter, recognised after another. She felt a vast sense of relief. Relief. Thank God, and more. Her father thought well of his medical medicine. Opinion Christian physician pulled on profanity. The more turned to the Hidego, the Hidego. After shutting through commands, Rebecca preoccupied with her father and not caught their meaning. Had his head had his head back in the carriage. And Moore spoke in quick and curt phrases. His accent was different from Ergo's. He used strange words. Rebecca could only understand some of his English. Ray, he's having a minute's word. Corration? What does that mean? Pretty bad one, I think. We need to get him to hostel as soon as possible. We can get some more meanest face the first part she thought sounded like God bless him that would and that but that would dirt do you do with anything. Into him they wouldn't have any point. The damage would have been done but done. Gosh, is he dying? The black physician glanced at her. His dark eyes were carrying carrying but grin. He might, madam but um, he might make it too. Make it survive, she assumed. The Indian was strange. Too early to tell. Another shout came from one of the leaders of men. Rebecca thought it came from farmers. This time, she understood the words. They're coming, they're coming. Take cover. Meanness, the Hidogo's name. She thought, Magiga? Hidogo was staring down the road. Rebecca could now hear sounds of racing footsteps. Other Shouting men, Germans, to these men, baying like wolves. They had spotted a carriage. Hidego shook his head and shouted back, No, you stay in the farmhouse. As soon as they come up, start shooting. I'll drive the fire away from the carriage. Quickly, he thrust his head in the carriage, extending his hand towards the physician. 
James, give me your gun. I haven't got time to find my own. Walt reached back and drew something out of the pocket, back of his dress. Beckham, I did certainly. Is that a pistol? So tiny, nothing like the great things of what Lane she were carrying. But she didn't. She did not, not doubt her guest. But from the eager way the hitter seized the thing. Rebecca knew very little about firearms. After all, she was struck by the intricate of the weapon. Nelly and Dago were striding away. No more than five yard, seconds later, taking his stance many yards from the carriage. He stopped, turned, briefly inspected the pistol, clearly doing something with it that Rebecca could not clear, make out clearly. Then, squatting his shoulders, spreading his feet, he waited. Rebecca was in the carriage window now, watching, her eyes fighting back and forth from the farmhouse to the Hedego. Ever in an inexperience as she was, Rebecca understood immediately that Hedego was doing. He would draw the attention of Dilly's men to himself. Away from the carriages, men in the farmhouse were clear, single angle of fire. Most of his charging towards the farmhouse were on the other side of the carriage. Becca could hear them, but not see them all. She would see, all she could see was her Dago facing her in another angle away from her. In the battle which followed, she watched nothing else. Eyes were fixed on a tall man in the farmyard, standing still in a ruffled blue-white blouse, black trousers, a humble setting. There was something odd about their boots, but Rebecca did not care. Samuel Dignigera. Reciting Hebrew probably to the Muslim army, he led a victory at the Battle of Elmville. With a proud of that footwear, so at least she thought a young woman raised in the legends of Zimbabwe. So confident he seemed, and so certain Rebecca remembered lines from the Guru's poem containing Afaluti. My enemy rose, and the rock rose against him. How can any creature rise against his creature, creator? Now my troops and enemy draw their ranks, opposite each other on each day of anger and jealousy. A rage men's deem the prince of death, a princely death. Each man seeks to draw win with now, for he must lose his life for it. He don't know fired foes, he gave no warning. He should have commands, made no threats. He sent me crouched slightly, brought the pistol up to both hands, and it's later. To the Gravka shot, the gun went off and the battle routed. It was short, savage, and incredibly brutal. Even Rebecca and Nick Knapp, in the ways of violence, knew the guns would not possibly be fired as rapidly as the horde bullets which erupted from the Higo pistol and the weapons of his men. She could, could not see a cartilage from these bullets caused in a small mob of mercies. But she had no difficulty inter- interrupting their cries of pain and astonishment. Literature kept her soul from dribbling terror. She kept courage for the Tago's own that day. A poetry, another of Luffy. These young lions welcomed you each your wound upon their heads as though it were garland to die. They believed to keep the faith to live. They thought was forbid. 
held her breath. None all, not all the weapons fire belonged to the Hildegrange men. She would recognise the deepest roar of the mentioned amorbuses. She fully expected to see the Hildegrange white shirt wrapped with blood. They hurled spears there like bolts of lightning filling the air with light. The blood of men flowed down the air ground with blood and rams at the corners of the altar. There was nothing, nothing beyond an unseen wind which tugged Hildegard's left sleeve and, light, and left it torn and ragged. She hissed, but there was no blood, no blood, no blood. Suddenly he struck in his way at the beginning of the battle was over. Silence was set for the sound of footsteps running away and the shouts of unfearful retreat. Rebecca heaved a huge, deep sigh breath. And then another, then another. The motion drew the physician's eye. After more and more than a glance, and more turned back to her father. A slight smile came to his face. Rebecca, recognising the meaning of the smile, flushed from embarrassment. Not much, not too, not much, just an older man with a sleeve admiring a young daughter's figure, with no threat to her in that smile. Rebecca clutched, finally back Falling back down from her own couch, couch into the cushion seat in the carriage, she burst into tears, bringing her face, covering her face with her hands. Some time later, not more than seconds, he heard the door of the carriage door opening again. He sensed Hidago entering the carriage gently. He eased himself into sight, liked him about his arm. And his shoulder, without wondering at the improbability of her action, she leaned into the shoulder and turned her face into his chest. Soft silk over hand, hard muscle, no blood. Thank you, she whispered. He said nothing. There was no fees for the first time since the terror began that day. Rebecca felt all the tension and fear fade away. First time, time of years, perhaps. As the flood come or laid waste, world waste, for the dry land is seen, nowhere to be seen, which is odd. When it came to her mind, recovering from terror in the shelter, strange arm hands, all she could think of was the sun-drenched land of poetry, splendid, which she'd never seen in her life. Drying her eyes in a silk shirt, she remembered Aberdeen, and was rose to his cloak, I spread it out like a tent in the dark of night. The stars shine through it. Though I see moon and the prairies and odors flashing his light.